All right, we are looking at 2 Kings chapter uh, 17, to, sorry, chapter 18 tonight, right? <clears throat> chapter 18 of 2 Kings. That we looked at Hezekiah last week. Was, is Hezekiah a good king or a bad king? Come on, help me. This is for my benefit entirely. I don't know if you're listening, right? <clears throat> is Hezekiah a good king or a bad king? He's a good king, right? <clears throat> he is a good... By the way, is there a book of Hezekiah in the Bible? No, it sounds very biblical, doesn't it? Always remember that. When somebody asks you to look up in the book of Hezekiah, don't. It's a trick question. It's kind of a very fun trick question to play on people. There's no book of Hezekiah in the Bible. Hezekiah was a king. Uh, he didn't write a book. But he was a good king. And he did write, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, did. In fact, he was the king uh, among kings as far as the divided kingdom uh, and Judah is concerned. In his reign, last week we looked at the fact that during his reign, um, Israel, the northern kingdom, went into captivity. Now we're dealing with Judah. <clears throat> now, I just want to catch something that we looked at last week. And um, <clears throat> look at verse 7 of chapter 18, because this is going to be very pertinent to what we're looking at today, right? And the Lord was with him, and he prospered with us wherever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. Right, so his father had invited the king of Assyria in to help him. And as often happens, Irish history has lots of stories like that too. As often happens, the king of Assyria came in to help him, but after a while he wasn't helping anymore. Uh, he was exacting a tax. And uh, Judah became a, a vassal, you might say, or, or a servant, and had to pay a tax every year to the king of Assyria. And But when Hezekiah came to the throne, he made, did a very brave thing. He decided, you know what? No way we're doing this. We're, we're, we're getting rid of this. We're, we're not going to pay no tax no more. And he told the king of Assyria to go get lost. Uh, he wasn't going to pay the tax. And it worked. The king of Assyria get lo got lost, and he went and he dealt with Israel. But in verse 13, which is where we pick up the story tonight, it all goes upside down. Uh, for Hezekiah. Uh, all his great plan, all his great progress goes upside down, and he's going to be in big trouble now uh, for the next two chapters, really. And we're not going to look at every verse. If we do, uh, we'll be uh, all night out of What we're going to do is I'm going to I'll tell you about some of it and some of the verses we'll read, okay? But let's uh, look to the Lord in prayer. Father, would you bless us tonight? Lord, we need your help. We do thank you for this man, Hezekiah. And we thank you, Lord, that you do record <clears throat> the great ones in the Bible and you record their, their failures as well, Lord. And Lord, we do ask you now, Lord, would you bless us as we look at this man? Would you help us to glean something that might help us in our lives? In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let me ask you tonight, do you have a problem in your life that needs fixing? A problem in your life that needs fixing that you can't fix? Sometimes we have problems that we can't fix, don't we? Sometimes we have difficulties that we can't fix. Hezekiah is going to have a problem that he can't fix. And God is going to let it, let it build up to boiling point in his life, and then he's going to deal with it. Do you know that God does that in your life sometimes? He lets the problems in your life build up to boiling point, so that you turn to him and look to him, and then he deals with the problem. Then he takes and he deals with them. Now, <clears throat> we're looking at Hezekiah tonight, and Hezekiah is a king of Israel that lives, you know, 3,000 years ago. Um, not quite 3,000 years ago, but he lives thousands of years ago. And you say, what's that got to do with me? Well, Hezekiah is dead, but God is not. And the same God that helped Hezekiah can help you too tonight. 
the same God that stepped into Hezekiah's life and did a miracle that was just astounding can do the same for you. And there are some principles that we'll take and we'll apply as we go along and as we see uh, how God deals in this man's life. And I think that'll be a help to you as well. But, <clears throat> but faith, A.W. Tozer said this, faith is, <clears throat> it's easy for us to have a faith that believes God could do it somewhere else for somebody else in some other time. But faith is not that. Faith is believing that God can do it now today for me. And God put these things to encourage our faith, to encourage us to trust that he can and will step into our lives and help us and do things in our lives, right? But in order for God to step into your life and do a miracle, you have to have a problem. So if you have a problem tonight, you know you're in good shape. If you have a problem, you're in good shape because God can take and God can, uh, can help you with your problem, right? <clears throat> okay, so verse 13. <clears throat> yes, Jared, John Charles is here. <laughs> One of you has to grab the cover chair for chair, will you? Uh, <clears throat> chapter, <clears throat> verse 13. Now the 14th year of King Hezekiah did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities uh, <clears throat> of Judah and took them. Right now, that's all the surrounding area of Jerusalem, all the fenced cities, all the kind of outward city, outlying cities from Jerusalem. He came up against them and he took them, right? Now you're King Hezekiah. Now, when Sennacherib took the, took the cities, he, you know, he, he wasn't real nice and kind to the people, and there wasn't really things, nice things going on. And when he took them, he was vicious. Uh, I read today uh, that they found a, um, a burial pit where there was 1,500 people buried, and they, they dated it back to this time. Now, how would you feel if you're um, Hezekiah? Here you are. You've made your big, bold stand. You've said, King of Assyria, get out. Well, now the king of Assyria has come back with a vengeance. He's come, and he's coming to take it all back over. Um, and Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent unto the king of Assyria to Lachish, saying, I have offended. Return from me. That which thou puttest on me will I bear. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Right? So here's what really happens for Hezekiah. He has a wobbly. He has a moment where his faith fails. Understandably so. I mean, he's looking at carnage all around him. This, this guy has taken all of the northern kingdom, Samaria and everything is gone now. They're all gone away uh, into captivity. And now he's come and he's taking everything around Judah and he's coming up on Jerusalem. And Hezekiah said, this, I can't stand against this guy. This, there's no way. Nobody else stood against him. I won't be able to st stand against him. I better cut a deal with him. I better tell him I'm sorry and um, <clears throat> make things right with him because if I don't, uh, he's just going to destroy us, right? So he, say, he sends and he says, listen, I'm sorry, I've offended. I did the wrong thing. My bad. Listen, you tell me how much you want uh, to go away, and it's yours, right? <clears throat> and Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was <clears throat> found um, <clears throat> in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. And at that time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars... Uh, which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Now, I'm not sure you can make that right. We can understand that, but you know, I'm not sure it's ever right to take that which belongs to God and to give it to somebody else um, <clears throat> just to save your hide. 
That's what he did. That was kind of the practice in, in those days. You, you'll notice that as you read through the kings. Whenever times got bad, uh, they took all the silver and gold out of the house of the Lord and they gave it to, to the other king. But that, that, that would be a lack of faith for definite. That would be a clear failure to trust God uh, in those moments. And that's what's going on here. Clear failure uh, to trust God. And he takes and he gives them all the gold and he gives them all the silver and he gives them all of that. And um, he, he, he gives it all to him. And the deal is, I'm going to give this all to you, <coughs> Rabshakeh and uh, uh, Sennacherib, and you're going to go away. Right? And so Sennacherib takes the money. But then something dreadful happens. He doesn't go away. He doesn't go away and get lost the way he's just being paid to do. Right? <coughs> and the king of Assyria sent Tar- Tartan, Rabsaris, and Reb- <coughs> Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah, with a great host against Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they were come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is in the highway of the fuller's field. And when they had called the king, there came out to them Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder. And Rabshakeh said unto them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah, thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in wherein thou trustest? Thou sayest, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom dost thou trust and who on, <clears throat> that, that thou rebellest against me? Now behold, thou trusted upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt, on which if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, unto all that trust him. Right now, <clears throat> here's what you've got going on here now. Uh, you've got him talking down the armies of Judah. Right? This is war propaganda. Right? So he comes up to Jerusalem and he starts telling them, you know, he, he starts unraveling all their confidence. So you think you're going to trust in Egypt? You think Egypt's going to come and help you? Well, they haven't helped you much so far. And not, you know what? You're trusting in a bruised reed. There's no help for you in Egypt. They're not going to help you. They won't protect you from me. You made a deal with them against me. Well, I'll tell you what, you're in trouble now, aren't you? Uh, and um, uh, he's, he's tell- we're going to see in a moment, he's telling them this in, the front, in front of all the people so that everybody, the idea is to terrify the people. So they're saying to the king, look, whatever he says, just do it because there's no way we can win against this guy. Uh, he's going to kill us, right? <clears throat> now look at verse 22. Uh, <clears throat> but if he say unto me, we trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, ye shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now he's a bit mixed up there. <clears throat> he doesn't really get that. It is true that Hezekiah has taken away the high places and the groves and said you're to worship in the temple in Jerusalem. That's exactly what God wanted though. That was a bold, that's one of the moves that God commends him for. But what he's saying, and he's, remember he's appealing to the people, he's saying, you think your God's going to protect you? Listen, your, your, your king has just taken away all the groves and all the high places. He stopped you from worshiping him. You can only come to his temple now is what he's saying. He's trying to unsettle. He's trying to rattle them. <clears throat> now, therefore, I pray thee, give pledges to my lord, the king of Assyria, and I will deliver thee 2,000 horses if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. Right? He says, I'll, I'll send you up 2,000 horses. But you know what? You don't even have riders to go on 2,000 horses. Now remember, we're dealing with an army that exceeds 185,000 here. It, it exceeds 185,000. And what he's saying is, you can't even put 2,000 men on horses to come out against me. You haven't got all hope. Uh, you, 
There's no way. He says, verse 24, How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Am I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said, go up against this land and destroy it. Do you know who he's talking about there? Look in your Bible there, uh, verse 25. See where it says L-O-R-D. Notice that the letters are all caps. You know what that means? That's the name Jehovah. Do you know what? He's done his research. This man has checked things out. He's, he, he, knows the, uh, he knows the ins and outs of it. And he, here's what he's saying. Now he's lying. God never told him to do it. Uh, but he's saying the Lord Jehovah God has told me to come up and to destroy you. Jehovah God has told me to come up and to deal with you. Now this is good propaganda. This, this would have you rattled. This would have you concerned about what was going to happen. Uh, <clears throat> then said Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah and Shebna and and Joah and Rabshah, unto Rabshakeh, speak, I pray thee, to thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it. And talk not with us in the Jews' language in the ears of the people that are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said unto them, Hath my master sent me to thy master and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own... I'm not going to say it with you. <clears throat> what he's done is he says, You know, listen, I wasn't sent to talk to your master. I wasn't sent to give a nice quiet letter to your master. I was sent to these people because they're going to pay the price of it. They need to know uh, the price they're going to pay and they need to be behind uh, you giving in to us. I came here uh, to put the wind up your people uh, is what I did. Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake saying, Hear ye the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus said the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and then eat ye every man of his own vine, and drink, one of his fi- drink every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one of the waters of his cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread, and vineyards, a land of olive and of honey, that you may live and not die, and hearken not unto Hezekiah when he persuaded you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Now he says to them, Listen, you make an agreement, make a deal with me, and what I'll do is I will leave you in your place, and then I will come, and when I'm ready, I will remove you all over the place. Because that's what they did. That's what the Assyrians did. They would take them out of Jerusalem, out of Judah, and they would move them all over <clears throat> their kingdom, and they would disperse them so that they didn't have the power. That's what they did in Samaria and in Israel, and they put different people in there, and um, <clears throat> they, they, they divided them. And he said, look, you just make an agreement with me. It'll go well for you. I won't come in and kill anybody. What I'll do is I'll just take you, and I'll remove you from your land, and I'll give you a good land. Oh, I'll look after you. You'll be okay. Don't trust in Hezekiah. And don't let him talk you into trusting in the Lord. Right? <clears throat> Look at verse 33, though. Here's where he puts a foot wrong, big time. And we need to catch this and understand this. Right? We'll talk about it again uh, later on. He says, Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered at all his, hand, his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Seravaim? Hevna uh, and Iva, have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? 
You know what? Samaria was not trusting in the Lord God. Samaria was trusting in all kinds of idols. The northern kingdom is trusting in all kinds of idols. And he said, where are their gods? They didn't, they didn't deliver them. Is anybody going to deliver you? There's no God that can stand against my master, the king of Assyria. <clears throat> Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of mine hand, <clears throat> that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? You know what he's doing now? Not only is he putting it up to uh, Hezekiah, not only is he trying to put the wind up the people, but now he's blaspheming the name of God. And he's overstepped the mark now. He doesn't realize it. This is going to cost him. He's overstepped the mark. <clears throat> and we need to understand this about our God. Our God never accepts blasphemy against his name and just says, ah, sure, it doesn't matter. When somebody takes his glory and runs down his glory, he's always going to act He's always going to deal with it. He's always going to go after it. Remember Ahab when the kings came up and they said to, uh, to, to Ahab, listen, you know what? Your God's the king of the, the, the God of the hills. But we're going to fight you in the valleys the next time and then your gods won't be able to handle the valleys and we'll win. And God got mightily offended. Now Ahab's as wicked as, <clears throat> as all get up. But you know what? God steps in. And God helps Ahab because uh, <clears throat> what they were doing is they were impugning God's name. They were, they were talking God down. Remember, under Eli, when Eli's two sons took the Ark of the Covenant uh, into battle, and um, God let the Ark be taken. But you know what? Uh, the Philistines thought Dagon was greater than their God, than, than the God of the Israelites. And so they put the Ark of the Covenant, and, and they put it at the feet of Dagon. Because they'd won the battle, and you know what? If they won the battle, it was because their God was greater, and, and the God of Israel obviously was less. So you know what God did? God had Dagon fall on his face. In fact, he fell on his face, I think, three times, and, and, and he was broken. His hands and <clears throat> were broken, and his head was broken off. And how did that happen? Because, you know what? God is God. Dagon is not God. None of the gods of the other lands were gods. They weren't gods. Now, God knows that, and so does Hezekiah. And so we're going to see Hezekiah appealing to that very fact. And you can always appeal to the fact that, you know, listen, I don't care what happens out there with other people. My God is the God. And he can do anything. What about the problem that we were talking about earlier, your problem? Do you think your God can take and deal with your problem? Yeah, he's the God. He sits on the throne. He's in charge. Nothing happens in this world apart from him. Sometimes we can't make head nor tail of it. We can't understand why he's doing what he's doing. But you know what? He's always in charge. He never lets anything <clears throat> uh, work its own way that he's not in control of. He's in control of all of it. He's in control of everything. He can actually take and do it. And you need to understand that. That the God that's going to answer Hezekiah's prayer can answer your prayer too. He can do it because there is no God apart from the God. He is God. <clears throat> Um, verse 36, but the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, answer him not. Sometimes the best policy is just to keep your mouth shut. You know what? There was no answering these guys. There really was no They could have argued uh, again, but they'd have gotten nowhere. And so everybody was told, Hezekiah told them going out to him, listen, don't commit yourselves to anything. Don't say anything. Hear what he's got to say, but don't say anything. 
anything. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah, with their clothes rent, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. They told him all that he'd said. And it came to pass, in verse chapter 19, uh, <clears throat> when King Hezekiah heard it, that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. Right now, <clears throat> Uh, sackcloth was was a burlap. It was an uncomfortable material, a material that you wore under your clothes, and it was a sign of fasting and mourning and pleading with God. Now, this is good. You know why this is good? Because Hezekiah knows where the help's going to be found. Hezekiah knows that you know it's not going to be him, and it's not going to be his army, and he's not going to do it. He knows the help is going to be found in God. And he turns to God. You see, Hezekiah is actually getting it right. He's in a dreadful place. He's in a dreadful place. His, his, his kingdom is going to be destroyed. But you know what? Instead of him falling apart in lack of faith now, he goes into the house of the Lord and he begins to cry out to the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and the elders and the priests, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy, for the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. Right? <clears throat> and he's talking about a calamity there. Right? There's a birth, and there's, they don't have the strength to do it. This is a calamity. This is as bad as it gets. There's, there's no way out of this, humanly speaking. Look at verse 4. It may be the Lord thy God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria, his master, hath sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. So, he says, it may be. It just may be that God's going to hear the blasphemy. That's God, God's going to hear the words he spoke against him, and God's going to react to it. Do you know that God reacts to some things? God reacts to some things instantly, and he goes after them. And this is one of those things. You know, God's glory is very important to God. God says he will not share his glory with another. I am God. I will not share my glory with another. God, and God will not allow his name to be torn down. He will not, not allow. He never does. Now, that does not mean uh, that you can do wrong and expect that God's going to vindicate you because uh, of his glory. You know what? He didn't, he didn't vindicate Israel under Eli when the two boys took the Ark of the Covenant into battle. He let it go. But he did vindicate his name. <clears throat> right? But you know, when you're walking with him and you're depending upon him, you can expect that he's going to step in and deal with some things. He's not going to let his name get torn down. He's not going to get let his name... And <clears throat> Hezekiah and these men, they, they have it right there. They, they just have it right there. They know you listen. They're, they're reckoning on the fact that God's going to respond. God's going to react to this. <clears throat> so the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall ye say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. See, God takes it personally. They blasphemed me. See what's happening here? He's, here's Rabshakeh, that's the general. <clears throat> and, and he's out there, and he's spouting, he's spouting, he's talking up his propaganda, and he's trying to terrify the people of Israel, and he's trying to terrify Hezekiah, and he's trying to get them to give in before the battle ever begins. 
And you know what's happening? God's listening. Do you know God's always listening? Do you know that nothing ever happens that God's not tuned into? Do you know it's impossible for you or I or anybody else in this world to do something that God's not tuned into? God actually is tuned in. He listens to all of it. Did somebody do you wrong? Has somebody mistreated you? Has somebody hurt you? God knows. He knows. He's got an account of it. And God will deal with it. You don't have to deal with it. God will deal with it. God will take care of it. God will step in and take care of it. God will step in and deal with the situation. He always does. Sooner or later. Now, don't get yourself in a bind of saying, okay, great. Come on, God, go for it. Do it. I mean, he, he needs it. He needs God. You need to do it. Do it right now. Don't, don't get yourself. That's God's job, not your job. Leave God to take and do his business. He's good at his business. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Leave him to do it. You know, God can take care of the situation. He always does. Nothing happens in his world that he's not involved in. Nothing happens in his world that he's not listening to, that he's not tuned into. He, he hears it all. Verse 7, Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Now, if that were you or I, we'd be expecting the next, the, 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 the next verse to tell us about that happening. But that's not the way it quite goes. <clears throat> so Roshekha returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna, for he had heard that he was departed from Lachish. And when he heard say uh, of Tirhakka, king of Ethiopia, behold, he has come out to fight against thee, he sent messengers again unto Hezekiah. So now he's caught up with something else, and, and, <clears throat> and the king has gone to fight another battle, but he sends him a message, one of those little love notes that come in the Bible, one of those love notes that would have taken him time to read, because remember, they didn't have pens and typewriters and emails and so on in those days. This was actually probably inscribed on a clay tablet uh, and given to him. <clears throat> Right? But, he, but he puts it down on his clay tablet. He says, Thus shall ye speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God, in whom thou trustest, deceive thee, uh, saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands by destroying them utterly. And shalt thou be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them, which uh, my fathers have destroyed, as Gozan and Haran and Respah and the children of Eden, which... Uh, where in uh, Thessalar, uh, where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the cities of Sephavim, of Hena, and of Iva? And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. I love this picture. He went up with his letter and he took his letter and he, and he spread it out before God. <clears throat> he spread it out before God. You know, it's kind of a picture. He said, now God, you, you need to read it too, God. Of course, God knew everything that was in the letter. But he spread it out before God. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, and thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which he hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire, for, so, for they were no gods, and the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they have destroyed them. He says, listen, it's true. They have destroyed all the nations around us, 
They have taken their gods and they've cast them into the fire. But there were no gods. Now, are you sure of that in your heart? Don't you look at this old world and you look at this world and you see the wicked prosper sometimes and you think, you know what? They got something there. They got something there. They're kind of on top of the game here. Uh, no. God is God. Does he let the wicked prosper sometimes? Yeah, he does. He does. You know, God can do anything he wants to do. He's God. And remember, he's dealing with the big picture. Does he let tough things come into our lives? Yeah, he does. But listen, there is only one God. There is only one God. And if you know him, and you're walking with him tonight, you're in the best place you could possibly be. Because there is no other God out there. And he can protect you, and he can take care of you. Look at verse 19. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Now, I am sure Hezekiah is really struggling at this point. Wouldn't you be? I mean, it's looking real bad. You look by sight and, oh, man, it's looking real bad. This guy's going to come in. He's going to destroy us. He says, if I give in and let the people go and give up my kingdom, he'll take care of them. <clears throat> you know, it looks really bad. He's healless and he's, he's, he's run over every other nation that he's come up against. But the Lord God is the God and he can do whatever he wants to do. And he makes a choice. He makes a choice to walk by faith. And not by sight. And you know what? That's the whole point of this story. The whole point of this story is, Hezekiah, will you trust me? Or will you trust what you can say? Will you look at this other impossible situation that's risen up around you? Or are you going to trust me? What are you going to do, Hezekiah? Are you going to trust in me? Or are you going to trust in what you can say? So many of the other kings, listen, you know what? They never even got to this point because they never trusted in God at all. But now we have a king in a moment of Christ and you know what? He's coming out on the right side of it. He's trusting God. Do you know that your faith counts? Do you know that when you trust God in the difficult situation, it counts? Do you know that when you put your faith in God and you say, Lord, you're the God. You can do anything you want to do. You can change this situation. Do you know that thrills the heart of God? Listen, I, I honestly think, I think God gets thrilled. I think God can get happy. <clears throat> and I think God gets thrilled and God gets happy when we make steps of faith. When we trust him. You, you, do, you know, do you know what the, the, what the push was on Hezekiah? Hezekiah, do the sensible thing. Just, just give in. But faith was saying, no, trust me, Hezekiah, I'll take care of it. And he made the right choice. How many times do you and I do the sensible thing? The sight thing? The thing that looks like it's the best thing to do? The thing that looks like it's going to... And what we effectively do is say, now listen, God, we know you're God and we know you're in charge and we know everything, but you know what? This situation is a bit big for you. I've got to handle this. So you just, you, you just take a back seat there for a second and let me take over here and I'll sort the situation out. And when I've got it sorted out, I'll pass controls over to you again. You know what that shows in your life? He's not in control at all. You never really surrender to him at all. But when you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. I am terrified. This looks really bad. I'm going to do it your way because you're God. 
And you can do whatever you want. You know what? I think God gets excited. I think God gets excited, and I think you can expect to see great things. Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This is the word that the Lord hath spoken concerning him. The virgin daughter of Zion hath despised thee, and laughed thee to scorn. The daughter of Jerusalem hath shaken her head at thee. Now this is really <clears throat> another picture, right? Here you've got Jerusalem. I don't know how many people are in Jerusalem. Um, but it's not a big city. It's not a huge <clears throat> nation. I wouldn't think at this stage you have a million people uh, in Jerusalem. I think it's probably much less than that. <laughs> and <clears throat> so it's just a tiny little uh, group of people with a tiny little army. They can't put 2,000 men on horses. Right? <clears throat> and um, they have no hope. And God says they've laughed at you. They have, you see, it doesn't matter. God can save through many or through few. It doesn't matter to God. In this case, hey, you know what? There's not going to be any fighting going on at all in this situation. God, God can save. God can do <clears throat> whatever he likes. He has heard, and he says, you've laughed. <clears throat> Verse 22, whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? And against whom hast thou exalted thy voice and lifted up thine eyes on high? Even against the Holy One of Israel. You know, when Rabshakeh came in and said, my king, the king of Assyria, he's done this and he's done that and he's done the other and he's, oh man, he's on, he's on top of the situation. He's running the world. Nobody can stand against him. None of the other gods can stand against him. Your God won't stand against him either. Uh, he's just, he is the man. He is the king. He can do it. You know what he was doing? He was lifting himself up against God. Now, <clears throat> let's think for a second. Who put the king of Syria on his throne? God. Don't we find that, that out from Daniel? Nebuchadnezzar has to learn by eating grass for seven years in a field that there is no God but the God and that he sets up and puts up men and takes them down and that he's in charge of the whole thing. You know, there is no power but of God. You know, when Pilate said to Jesus, don't you know that I have the power to take your life and I have the power to set you free? Jesus said, you could have no power except it was given to you from my father. You know what? King of Assyria is forgetting something. There was somebody in charge of him. Do you know there's somebody in charge of the whole situation out there? Doesn't it look sometimes like there's nobody in charge? Doesn't it look, I mean, isn't it a dreadful situation? You have Kim Jong-un and you have Donald Trump and they're going at us. I mean, I mean you look at the news and my, my mother's terrified there's going to be a, a, be a world war. Uh, and, and a lot of the older people are. They're terrified there's going to be a world war. Right? And here's the reality. It, it looks like nobody's in charge. You know, uh, you know it, it looks like the lunatics have taken over the asylum and, <coughs> and things are looking really scary at this point. But you know, that's not true. Donald Trump couldn't have his position except God gave it to him, and neither could Kim Jong-un. And you know what? When God decides to change it, he'll change it. He's in charge of all of it. Oh, listen, you can look at the news, and you can look at our world, and you can think, oh, it's so bad. That's what, by the way, <clears throat> why, you know, you look at all these people, and they, and they tell you... Uh, <clears throat> There's a meteoroid or whatever it was going to hit the, hit the world yesterday and that the world was going to end yesterday. 
hang on a minute. There's a God who's in charge, and he's told us some of the things that are going to happen, and they haven't happened yet. So it's not done yet. You, you can discount all those things. You know what? <clears throat> Before this world gets burned up, if you're a believer, you're going to be with the Lord. <clears throat> you're going to be with him. You're going to be with him. That's just what he says. That's the way it is. He's in charge. He's in charge of all of it. God's not, God's not missed some meteoroid that's out there that's going to hit the world all of a sudden, and destroy it. Nassau may miss it. God won't miss it. God knows exactly what's going on, and he is in charge. He is in control of all of it. Isn't that wonderful? Can't you rest in that? The lunatics are not going to destroy the world. God's world, he's in charge of it. Okay, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Anything that happens is going to be from his hand and it's going to be for good. Because all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Right? Okay. Um, verse 23. By thy messengers thou hast reproached the Lord and hast said, with the multitude of my chariots I am come up to the height of the mountains, to the sides of Lebanon, and will cut down the tall cedar trees thereof, and the choice fair trees thereof, and I will enter into the lodgings of the borders, and into the forests of his Carmel. I have digged and drunk strange waters, and with the sole of my feet have I dried up all the rivers of besieged places. Hast thou not heard long ago how I have done it, and of ancient times that I have formed it? Now have I brought it to pass that thou shouldst be to lay waste fenced cities into ruinous heaps. God said, you're only doing what you're doing because I said you could do it. And by the way, a lot of this, <coughs> a lot of what has happened so far is actually prophesied in the book of uh, Isaiah. Therefore, their inhabitants were of small power. They were dismayed and confounded. And they were the, as the grass of the field and as the green herb, as the grass of the housetops, as corn blasted before it had grown up. But I know thy abode and thy going out and thy coming in and thy rage against me. You know God's saying to him, I know where you live. I know everything about you. I know your rage. I know how angry you are at me. I know how you think you're the man. I know where you live. <clears throat> I've got it all down. Because thy rage against me and thy tumult has come up into mine ears, therefore I will put my hook in thy nose and my bridle in thy lips, and I will turn thee back by the way which thou camest. The great king of Assyria that had laid waste everything he touched, God says, I'm going to put a hook in your nose. I'm going to put my bridle in your lips. I'm going to lead you like a horse. I'm going to make you do what I want you to do. I'm going to send you back the way you came. And this shall be a sign unto thee. Ye shall eat this year such things as grow of themselves. And in the second year that which springeth of the same. And in the third year sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat the fruit thereof. Now he's talking to uh, Judah again. He's talking to the nation. Uh, and he's saying to them, listen, you're going to be okay. You're going to be in the land. Three years from now you're going to be sowing and planting and everything is going to be fine. And the remnant that is escaped out of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. God says, I'm in charge, I will do it. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. 
By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. God says there's not going to be an arrow. He's not going to come into this city. I'm going to send him back the way he came. Here's what happens in this situation. You have this king of Assyria. He's going to take uh, Jerusalem. He's going to take Jerusalem. You have Rabshakeh, his general. We're going to take Jerusalem. This and you're finished. It's over. Uh, we're going to take. You have Hezekiah, who really has no strength to fight against him, but he's trusting the Lord. And he's crying out to the Lord. And, <clears throat> and you have God taking offense and taking up the banner and going to war. And Hezekiah's kind of put to one side. And the nation of Israel are put to one side. Look at the next verse. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians an hundred fourscore and five thousand. That's a hundred and eighty-five thousand. He smote them, and when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. How does that happen? Here you have an army outside the gates that have threatened to come in and to kill everybody and take everything And when he wakes in the morning and looks at his army, they're all dead. 185,000, they're dead. No arrow got fired. No sword got drawn. Nobody entered into Jerusalem. They're all dead. There's only one way to explain that, God. That's the only way to explain that. There's no way for you you to explain it apart from God. They, they They were finished. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshipping at the house of Nisroch his god, that Adramelech and Sharezer his son smote him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Armenia, and Esharhadon his son reigned in his stead. Not only did God destroy his army, but he lost his life and went home. And God took the situation in hand and dealt with it. Now, what about you and I? Real quick before we close. What about you and I? Can we expect God to do that kind of stuff for us? Could we expect God to step into our lives and do miracles? Have you seen God do miracles? Wouldn't that be fun to have a testimony night of the miracles God has done in your life? Wouldn't that be fun? You have seen God do miracles, haven't you? You've seen God do great things because he's able Oh, sometimes your faith wavers and sometimes you look at your situation and you think, there's no way out of this. It's impossible. Got an army. I I can't even find 2,000 to go against 200,000. There's no way I can win in this situation. But that doesn't bother God. In fact, God does his best work in impossible situations. You need to remember that. Because you and I hate impossible situations, don't we? We want it all worked out, all the uh, T's crossed, all the um, <clears throat> I's dotted. We want it all worked out so it's nice and handy and easy for us. We want the money in the bank and, and you know, everything just so. But that's not how God works. If everything was okay, you wouldn't need him. If everything was okay, you'd explain it away. You know what you need? You need an impossible situation. And he's good at bringing impossible situations into our lives, isn't he? Now, 
three things for you to remember. Right? <clears throat> First of all, God will always vindicate himself. You just get on God's side and stay on God's side. He always wins. Always wins. He always wins. He, <clears throat> he won for Ahab. He won against Dagon. He has taken issue with so many gods over the years and he has won against every one of them. Interesting study for you to do would be to, <clears throat> to look uh, <clears throat> at Moses bringing the nation of Israel out of Egypt and God destroying the gods of Egypt one after the other after the other. He just destroys them all. Essentially what he says is, I am God and there is no other and all your gods don't count Egypt. And he destroys. You know what? God will always vindicate his name. God's interested in his glory. You stay on the right side of his glory. By the way, the most dangerous place in the world is when you try and take his glory. Don't ever be tempted to do that. God is God. You know, that'll keep you humble. Because you can't, but he can. And you know what? You need to always be in the place where you're giving him the glory. Listen, there's anything good going on in your life that's not you, it's God. Remember that. That's important. We're, we're very prone to forgetting, and the enemy hates God's glory. He's, he helps us forget. Listen, God will vindicate his name. He is the God. <clears throat> the glory belongs to him. Remember that. Second thing is to do, remember is this prayer matters. Remember good old Hezekiah? Lord, Lord, did you see what he wrote? Or I want you to see it. I want you to read it. I want you to know what he wrote, Lord, because listen, Listen, I can't fight this guy, but you can. Lord, you take issue with him. And God did, didn't he? God took issue with him, and God destroyed his army. And the prayer matters. Oh, listen, when you've got a problem, when you've got an issue, when you've got a difficulty, bring it before the Lord. Listen, lay it out before him. When you get that bill that you can't pay, lay it out before the Lord. Lord, did did you see this? Of course he saw it, but you know what? You're showing your dependence on him. But recognize prayer matters. Prayer matters. Now, I don't think you need to pray for four or five hours a day uh, about your issues, but I think you need to pray. You need to have a time uh, when the problem comes up. And, and you know what? God will bring you back to prayer but over and over again. But prayer matters. Bring your issue before God. And then the final thing is this. <clears throat> Righteousness is the basis of a strong prayer life. Now, we're not talking about merit here. We're talking about the fact that Hezekiah was walking with God. That's what we saw last week. He was walking with God. No, he wasn't perfect. No, his faith failed him, I think, when he, saw, when he gave away all the stuff out of the temple. He wasn't perfect. He didn't get it all right. But you know what? If you'd asked Hezekiah, whose side are you on? He would have said, I'm on the Lord's side. All day long, I'm on the Lord's side. That's, that, that's what matters to me. I'm on the, I, I want to do it God's way. I want to be right with him. I want to walk with him. That was where he set his sails. That was who he was. That was what he was. So, you know, because of the life he was living and because he was walking with God, when it came to laying out his letter, he was sure. He was sure God's, God's, God's going to hear me. I've got this relationship with him. Look, you can pray to God from any place and from any position and from anywhere you are, but you know, you're going to have a hard time. You're not walking with God when the crisis comes. Now look, 
I'm not saying to you, don't cry out to him, don't pray to him, because listen, he's so merciful. He'll answer anyway. But you're going to have a much harder time if you're not walking with him when the crisis comes. You see, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Are you regarding sin in your heart tonight? And to regard iniquity means this. There's something I'm doing that I know is wrong, but I'm not giving it up. Because I have to. Really, because I want to. And you've got to say, no, you know what? I'm not going to hold on to anything. I want to walk with him. Because in the day of trouble, I want to be able to cry out to him and for him to hear my prayer. Now, don't expect him to answer in the same way, in the same time frame as he did <clears throat> for Hezekiah. Because, you know, if you, if, if you go through the battles uh, that the nation of Israel fights, fascinating study. You know, God intervenes again and again, but he intervenes in different ways. He intervenes in different ways. You know, <clears throat> should I go out against the enemy? You go out against, you're going to win. Okay, should I go out against the enemy? No, go, go, go over there. When you hear the sound of the wind in the mulberry bushes, then attack. You know, <clears throat> um, hailstones uh, kill another army. God does it differently. You know, you, you, you don't expect that God's going to do it all the way you plan. That's, I think our faith gets hurt because we plan what God's going to do. He, yeah, he's going to do this. And then he doesn't do this, and our, and our faith is hurt. No, no, just listen. He's good at what he does. He's good at what he does. You put it in his hand, you expect him to deliver you, and he will deliver you his time, his way. And listen, when he delivers you, you'll know you've been delivered. But trust him. Put it in his hand. But you know what? You've got to walk with him. So three things to expect from God. He will always vindicate himself. Always. Prayer matters. When you pray, you can expect an answer. And righteousness is the basis of a strong prayer life. This is a glory story from the Bible. But it's not just a story that, you know, happened a long time ago to some guy called Hezekiah. No, this is a story of the God of Israel. Your God who steps in for one of his children and acts in a mighty way. And he didn't quit with the changing of the Testaments. He's still doing it. He's doing it in people's lives every day. And if we'll walk with him and trust him, we'll see miracles. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, would you bless us tonight, Lord? Lord, we are a people of weak faith, but you're a great God. And Lord, I'm convinced that where we lack, you can make up the difference. Lord, Hezekiah didn't get it all right. He didn't get it all perfect, Lord, and neither do we. But Lord, I think I can speak for this people. We do love you, Lord, and we want to serve you. And we know that you're the God. Now, Lord, there are problems and difficulties for people in this room. Would you bring them to faith that they might trust you and see you do great and mighty things? And, Lord, we'll look forward to the stories in Jesus' precious name.